I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast is back on the air. Season number one. Already up to episode eight. It's been a fun start to the NHL season. Yes, Mr. Button. Craig jumping right in from the floor. We've got a question from the floor. The speaker from Kelowna. Hello. Kelowna? (laughs) I'm in Calgary, Steve. Come on, get it right. Anyway, uh, it's Monday. Beautiful Monday, I'd like to say. Uh, Fall. I don't know if fall has been great across the country, across North America. Here's what I ask you. You start off by saying you're ornery today. You start, you proclaimed, I'm ornery today. Yes. So the question from the floor is, why is Steve Coolius ornery on this Monday morning? I think I'm ornery because... I don't really understand or agree with this sweater 32 in Seattle being risen to the rafters. Yeah, the American sports, uh, the seventh man, the 12th man. Yeah, okay, I just, it was one of those things. Look, I, if I had Todd Lywicki on the show, I would have told him that's a stupid idea. Stupid idea. So that's number one. Number two, I feel for the Ottawa Senators that Tim Stutzla dive. That's a joke. Like, that is a joke. Forget the knee in the head, Kreider. That was an accident. That was a joke. And should I call out the two young officials? Maybe I will when I go through my notes in that game. I thought to myself, Tim Stutzla may have, may have done a few things earlier in the game when he drew some penalties. But you don't say, you know what? We're going to go back for a call we made in the first period. And now we're going to call embellishment when his stick Trubas is between his leg. It left a sour t- like Ottawa still blew it. The four on four, like they still choked. <laughs> they choked still, but that left an ornery taste in my mouth. And in watching my good friend Craig Button on Friday night, I was surprised that you pointed the finger at Michael Hutchinson for the loss. Michael Hutchinson does what he always does. He allows one bad goal a game. But the rest of Spezza and Matthews and TJ, I thought to myself, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Jacques Plante, Ken Dryden, that that game was lost by the Leaf skaters. And I thought to myself, uh-oh, when Craig and I meet on Monday, we're going to have a chat. I'm ornery about the, oh, but I'm happy about Logan Couture. Couture, O'Reilly, Mark Stone, left or right, could be the fourth line, Team Canada. Couture is playing great. So he makes me happy, 
But Hutch, Stutzla trip, and number 32 to the rafters have left me ornery. I'll hang up and listen, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great. Well, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, uh, relitigate the Michael Hutchison thing. He let in three terrible goals that simply cannot go in the net. And when your team is chasing the game continuously, you never catch up with it. And that's not to say that uh, uh, the the rest of the players were all stellar. I'm not saying that, but you know, Saturday night. I'm surprised you're not ordinary about Saturday night. Leafs in Pittsburgh. Now that was a debacle. You know. Like you're not ornery about that. You're ornery about Friday, but you're not ornery about Saturdays. No, Saturday, everyone was in the same pool on Friday. I felt that the Hutch situation was blaming Hutch. is like blaming Stephen Harper for Canada's historical debt. You know I mean? He, he had his 10 years and did what he could do. I think in the situation with the Leafs that night, they were losing that game no matter who played. And we can we can agree to disagree about that. Saturday night reminded me of the Mike, Mike Babcock firing. That's what it reminded me of. Listen, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that they would have won. All my, but going into that game, here was, here, was the, here was the comment from head coach Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, we want to get Hutch in there to try to give him a chance to get a win. Third game in three nights, third game in four nights for the San Jose Sharks. I think Sheldon Keefe underestimated the uh, uh, the San Jose Sharks back-to-back games, right? And so, oh, I'm going to put, like, bottom line is, Michael Hutchison not going to win you games. So why are you putting him in there? And he and he did exactly, you're right, Steve, he did exactly what he does. Like, he, he's not he's not an NHL-quality goaltender. Doesn't take away that he was still poor on three three shots. Terrible. Did you, Eric Carlson, after the game, when asked, what did you see on your goal net? <laughs> hey, I got to say this too. You want to talk about Logan Couture? I'm not going to disagree with that fourth line. How about a third line? I'm not so worried. Like, you know, anyway, I, I like that. Logan Couture is playing fantastic. How about EK65? Wow. He looks, he looks vintage. You know, Drew Doughty, I know we're going to get to Drew Doughty in a minute, but we, we talk about Drew Doughty and how well he's played. EK65, he's looking vintage, vintage EK65. So impressed with the way he's playing. And my, uh, like, I, 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 I'm I a big Bobby Bogner fan. Uh, I'm, I'm unabashed. He, he, he's somebody that I have tremendous respect for. And I think that he's doing a real nice job there in San Jose. So let's start back at the top with Seattle. It was great. The building, the excitement to uh, spoiled by the Vancouver Canucks. Look, it's not something I'm staying up at night worried about. I just, I see the 32 and it's uh, got cheese all over it. And then I just thought to myself, Seattle and then Vegas and Vegas has got a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup to start the year. I'm happy we have 32, but I'm freezing like card sharks. Like we're at 32. I'm eight, 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 eight. I want to freeze for, a while now. I think 32 is a great number and let's see how these franchises do. I like to see how they do when they start losing. Like, well, Vegas, look at Carolina, win good, lose bad. Anaheim, win good, lose bad. Arizona. So will Seattle sustain? I mean, it's early for them. Will Vegas sustain losing? You know, Chicago's starting to lose and now we're finally seeing, uh-oh, in Chicago. So you're only as good as you are when you're losing Craig, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm hope they're strong enough to survive losing, not like the Cubs or the Leafs and teams like that, because you don't want to be sold out when it's great. And uh, we don't want to come if 
you know, our team isn't very good. Steve, that's the way it is. Like, seriously, you're not changing. <laughs> you're not changing the sports fan. Like, unless you're a Green Bay Packers fan, a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, a Chicago Cubs fan, right? Doesn't like, I mean, that is, those are great fan bases. I mean, not, not that the other fan bases aren't great because they don't go, but they, they go win or lose for the, for, for the, for the most part. Right. Bottom line is that's sports. Steve. If your team wins, everybody's ready to support you. Everybody's ready to go. Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday night had their consecutive home sellout streak end. It ended. Well, no surprise. I mean, you know, the, the team's not very good. And you can talk about Carolina and we can talk about Arizona and we can talk about Vic. you win. People will come to your game and they will buy tickets. You don't win. You're not successful. You're not compelling. They're not coming. So bottom line is right now, you know, we saw what Vegas did. We saw that uh, uh, the Seattle crack and a new team, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun in, in Seattle Tuesday night. I'm, I'm with Brian Mudrick on the Montreal Canadians uh, call uh, from Seattle. So nice. really look, really looking forward to uh, uh, seeing the arena here. It's uh, I mean, it looks fantastic, you know, but you know, hearing about it, looking at it uh, through a television screen is different than being there. So I'm really looking forward to that, but that's reality of sports that, and, and quite frankly, that is why we see changes in coaches in managers when your team isn't doing as well as expected or as well as people feel it should, or revenues are going down because people aren't ah. buying tickets. Right, Steve. Money, money, oh, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. If, uh, if good markets came to uh, Mr. Bettman and offered to pay 750 million uh, to come into their league and they look like good markets that could hold their own, not so sure the NHL wouldn't go to 33, 34, 35, 36, which would just make you make for another ornery morning for Mr. Coolius. Yeah. But, if they do but, that, in, right. But, but, but sweaters 33, 34, 35, and 36 will be retired. <laughs> it, I'll have to wait till the years 20, 34, 35, 36 before I can consider more teams. So <laughs> okay. right now I'm the, I'm not letting Gary and Steven and Coley and Bill pass that without my vote. I, I think I've got a veto like uh, the bill on Parliament Hill or what is it called? Capitol Hill. So remember that little uh, jingle from the 70s? Yeah, I do. And it's good. I mean, hey, listen, the league's in a good place. I, I you know, I believe that, Steve, you you cover it in, in your role at Sirius XM. Uh, to me, the league is in a good place. The league is in good place. Somebody's going to finish 32nd and somebody's going to finish first. We're going to have one Stanley cup winner. The Gary's going to hand the uh, Stanley cup to, and we're going to have a disappointed uh, finalist that didn't get to do that. And a whole lot of other teams that wish they could be there. That's reality of sport. So let's number one, Seattle, the Ottawa center situation. Did Stutzla, can you really dive when the stick is between your legs? Is he punished for, the Keandre Miller play and the Kreider play from earlier. So you're up to nothing. Then two, one, we got the Kreider knee to the head of Matt Murray. God bless Matt Murray. He's hurt, he's hurt again. Suns did blow it. I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't blow it anyway. Four minutes to go. You're up by goal. You should win or at least get it to overtime, get a point and everything else. But they discombobulated like a young team. I just thought the dive and it was Jeff Brink. Young referee drafted by the Oilers. He used to play. He's one of the officials that we talked about before. You know, be an official. You can't play in the NHL. Be a referee in Pierre Lambert. I just thought it was a moment. And the Sens have handled it great. They, if it was me, Craig, I don't know how you were as a manager. I would have picked up the old bat phone and said, are you kidding me? I just thought to myself, it was a wow moment. 
and the Sens couldn't have recovered and didn't recover from it, would you have made the call for embellishment as well? Two things there. So you asked me about as a manager. No, I never. I, I, I listen. The game is. Uh, I think you, I've said it. I'll say it. Uh, you know, forever. The game is 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 expertly officiated. Does that mean that there's not a mistake here or there? Yeah, there's mistakes. But we have the best officials. When I say we, the NHL has the best officials. Now, you know that can be debated and argued, and it always does. But you know, I think there's just I think they're fantastic. It doesn't. We can we can look at that and we can say should it have been called. So I, so I never I never called. I was never a manager. I never believed in that. You know. You, you know, things that you, do you call when something goes your way and go, Hey, you know what? You know, I'm here on the other side. That really shouldn't be, you know, that, 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 that's what I want to hear. Cause if you're calling to complain about your team, you should call when you get the advantage. Right. So I don't think Chris Drury phoned the NHL and said, you know, I'm really like, why would you call that embellishment penalty on Tim Stutzla? Anyway, that being said, are, are we focused in on what happened after that? Because it was two nothing when I it am. happened. I, no, I know, but like, yeah. but like, you know. So they they call it, and and like I understand, like you know, like embell, like when when I see embellishment and everything, and like, you know, that's a whole other conversation for me. You know, you get tripped and you embellish, like, you know, do we watch European football? It's unbelievable what happens in soccer. They embellish. What's wrong with it? Like we, we embellish when we score. But goalies embellish with saves. Well, why can't you embellish with a penalty? What's what is the problem when you go? I mean, you remember Bill Barber back in the day? Oh, Bill yes. Barber, yeah. Bill Barber used to do perfect tens on the dive. <laughs> you get, get tripped and dive, right? Like, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, with like I think the whole idea of about embellishment is anyway, my, my 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 thing, I think it's silly. But you talk about earlier in the game and, you know, is it a point in the game where you're trying to say, Hey, listen, you can't do that. But we, we, because of what ended up happening after that, now it becomes more of a focal point. So, you know, I don't like the embellishment call period. <laughs> oh, you don't. I love it. I don't want it to be like European soccer. And I think it's a pretty good deterrent and you can't have a hook and a hold on the same play. I don't think when the stick is between your legs, you do. I, I thought it was a poor call to send a message for earlier calls, and it was made on Stutzla. It wouldn't have been made on 97, 88, 29. So they targeted Stutzla, and the Sens got the short end of the shaft, but they still blew it. Like yeah. They still blew it and choked, and they let Fox get free with Link, like all the other things. And I and I'm, I look at it this way, and what Kreider did was an accident. It was it's bad luck. He tried to get out of the way. They're complaining about, well, look what he did to Price, and he's so big and strong. Yeah, he is. I have a bigger problem with Kreider's hit from behind on Josh Norris, which was worse, I thought, than Joseph on Larkin. And it's a travesty that that's two minutes. It's a travesty. A two and a 10, a four or a five. He intentionally knew the time and score and rode him. Good for Brady, for Chuck, for going after him. That's why this game had so many nuggets. That's why it made me ornery. The Stutzla, the Kreider, the hit from behind. I think minimum the Kreider plays a two and a 10 minimum and it's a great two-minute penalty with 10 seconds to go in the game craig it is a great penalty that says i'm a bully and take it and you mentioned hits from behind before this is way worse than matthew joseph way he's not going to get suspended but we say to the nhlpa you, you you guys okay with this this is okay okay i'll tell you this much if norris laid on the ice and then the stretcher came out 
hmm, hmm, these two guys, Jeff or Jake Brank and Pierre Lambert would have gone, hmm, this is not very good here. Uh, two minutes and then we're going to review it, everything else. I just think that until something really bad happens, we're not escalating, pushing the pebble forward or the puck on these types of, it was, it's, it was as intentional as it can be. I felt reading Chris's mind at the time. That's my opinion. Could be wrong. No, well, I mean, that's, a, I mean, I, I mean, you have a viewpoint and, I, and see, but just as you talk about hitting from behind, I feel the same way about hits to the head, accidental or, or, or intentional. I mean, I, I, I don't think players in today's NHL, today's hockey and try to hit the head. I, like, I just don't, it's not, the game is very different now. And, and I don't see, but I, I believe that any hit to the head should be, should be an automatic game ejection. I, like accidental or not, we need to slow down the game. I think hits from behind should be all like, I have no, so that's why I have a big problem with embellishment because we're, we're we get so focused in on fining for embellishment. And we, we, we want to look at embellishment and you think, well, I think there's bigger issues in the game than embellishment. So that's, that's why I talk. So Steve here, here, like, I, I don't, I, I don't like any hit from behind. I don't like all you see is the number. So to me, stop. Stop. And if you can't slow down, and if you don't, you pay a price, you pay a price. Well, like you said, two, 10, four, 10 game misconduct. Like I'm all, I'm, I'm open to different ideas. You know, I, I take, I, I take more of that. When I talk about the hit to the head, I just say game ejection. Okay. Somebody would say, geez, that's extreme. Yeah, it is. But like, so, so are, so are blows to the head, <laughs> right? So are blows to the head. So anyway, the past that, I can understand, but you know, the, the New York Rangers, you know, starting out the year, I think, I, I think they're a story as well. So we can talk about the Ottawa senators, you know, they've, they've played well. I mean, they, they got a, they really got dominated by the Toronto Maple Leafs a week ago on a Monday night, but Igor Shesterkin was unbelievable, but goaltending is part of success and the New York Rangers have it. And, you know, Adam Fox, if anybody thinks that uh, Adam Fox, uh, wasn't deserving of the Norris Trophy last year. I think he's serving notice that he's going to be a contender <laughs> in, 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 in this year, next year, and the years to come. Because And the young defensemen in this league, I talked about, you know, we talked about vintage EK65 with Doughty, who's, who's playing terrific. I'll tell you what, the young defenseman in this game right now, Quinn Hughes on Saturday. Oh, Quinn Hughes is so good. Oh, boy, is he like, you don't appreciate how good these young defensemen are around the league. Because we don't get to see them enough, and, and like as a focal point, and they are fantastic. Miro Heiskanen, love him. Speaking oh. of the Rangers, he scored the winner there. I think he's, yeah, he's still probably because the central time. You know, if you watch the seven o'clock uh -huh. games and then you go to the ten o'clock games, then the eight and nines can get lost, especially with ninety-seven playing at nine. I'm using Eastern time because then you and then the stars. You know, Minnesota gets lost in there, especially if they weren't exciting, but they are now with Kaprizov and, and you could get Dallas lost, but um, all those guys that you mentioned are great to watch. I just love the defenseman that has many tiers and can also play and kill penalties. And, you know, some of our best young defensemen are better with the puck, Craig, than without it. It, it, it comes with time, but I think that's the way of really judging the all round game. And normally for the young defenseman with the puck, is easier and more fun than the play without the puck. But like, you know, Quinn Hughes, he's got further to go, I think, than Fox defensively. But all these guys, it's great to watch. But I do think that 
you know, as they get a bit older and that green tomato turns red on the other side of the puck, you know, being constructively criticism, constructive criticism on an all round defensive game. I want Kale McCarr with the puck. I want Quinn Hughes with the puck. I want Shea Theodore with the puck. I want Miro Heiskin in with the puck. I want Adam Fox with the puck. You know, I, I, I laugh. I, I always tell this story about the draft when Kale McCarr was, was drafted and he, he went fourth overall to Colorado. And so we were doing the, the draft uh, for NBC and comments came and somebody, somebody said, well, you know, there's some concerns about Kale McCarr, his play without the puck. And, you know, then, and I just said, I came to me and I said, concerns without the puck. Every game I see, all he does is have the puck. What are your concerns? Like, and when he has the puck, that means you're in good shape. I mean, bottom line is, name me a perfect player. I, I think we playing without the puck. I can tell you this, okay? Let's let the players that can play with the puck play with the puck. Like, you know, let's go. Let's go. No, you got to play without the puck. Yeah, I get it. You got to play without the puck. Focus on what makes these players great. Quinn Hughes is a great player. He, he's he's going to be in the Norris Trophy. Con. Paul Coffey, I'm pretty sure people probably back in the day said Paul Coffey wasn't very good without the puck. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I, I'm talking about everything here. So everyone can't just be an all-star defenseman with the puck. We want to win. Uh, Craig Ludwig's and the Hatchers and the the you know the Bob Gainey's up front. I you know I'm trying to build these. You know teams. what I would say, Craig yeah. Ludwig. Geez, you know you got to give us more offense. You got to give us more <laughs> offense, Craig. It's not good enough for you to play without Mitchell, the puck. Defensively, so <laughs> yeah, Listen, yeah. It, it's 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 soft criticism about the all. Hey, they all know what they're good at. And Paul Coffey won Norris trophies by being offensive. <laughs> I watched his 48 goal season. I saw it. I just keep going. I, I'm not worried about Paul Coffey playing without the puck if he's getting 100 points and 48 goals. Just go play. <laughs> okay, Chicago. Jeremy Carlton, timeout, 722 to go. Haven't won a game. No. Patrick Kane. They come to the bench. Dominic Kubalik calls for the whiteboard. They give it to him. They draw something up. And the optics were not good. You've got some quotes on what happened. And when things are bad, people can pile on. They say things like, he stuck his knee out. Uh, he didn't. They say things like, you know, he should have stopped that. Oh, it was deflected. And the goalie didn't ever see it or whatever. So on further review of A, the whiteboard incident, B, Hawks haven't won, C, right from the top of the show, changes when revenues drop let's start with a mr button did you have a problem did the coach have a problem with the whiteboard handoff no and i mean you use the term optics or use the yep. word optics who cares people want to sit down and want to judge and you know come to their own conclusions based on what, what they see well okay that's fine if you're going to come to a conclusion just based on what you see you can ask the question which was asked of jeremy Colton. And you know what he said? And I paraphrase. He said, uh, I don't have all the best ideas. Dominic Kubali, Kubali came to the bench and he said, hey, he wanted to do something. So he showed it. He goes, and he said, the play we drew up, he goes, the Brinkat deflected it. It was a pretty good play. Why wouldn't you listen to your players? Like, why would, isn't that good coaching? Like what? The coach is going to be my way or no way. Too many coaches fail because of that. And, you know, for me, you, you, you can look, okay, I haven't seen that happen very often. You know, I haven't seen that. Well, let's find out more. 
don't come to a conclusion based on what you see. And that's what too many people do. They come to a conclusion, ask the question, get the answer. They got it from Jeremy Carlton. I think it's great. The, what I would say to you about the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, poorly constructed team. You can go coach that team. Not going to change. Not going to change. It's a poorly constructed team. And so, so yeah, so they start uh, on Jeremy Carlton and they start saying, oh, Jeremy Carlton this or Jeremy Carlton that. At the end of it, I don't know who, like you, when you're a poorly constructed team, what way can they play to have success? I ask you that question. Tell well, me how they can play to have success. The only way they could win right now is if they win six, five games because they're giving up four or five a game and they don't have that kind of elite offense to get six goals. So they're designed to lose like they lost last night. Flurry in the defense, not enough goals. Lucas Raymond is our new Calder Trophy leader with his hat trick and four-point night with Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin playing well together. But the Hawks are just good enough to lose exciting games by not being able to outscore their problems. And Seth Jones, who doesn't like him? In most scenarios, Marc-Andre Fleury, who doesn't like him? Taves is back, but still struggling to put up points. Kane didn't play on Sunday. We like to bring it, we like Brandon Hagel, but it appears, Craig, there's just not enough there. But team defense and the six-man units is, I would guess, in an area that Stan Bowman did not think it was going to be this bad. So. It's a poorly constructed team. I don't care what you say or how you say it. I don't care how you I'm saying play. it in a nice way. I'm yeah, saying it in a nice way. I'm not saying it in a mean way. Poorly constructed is poorly constructed. So it's Dan's fault. Know, the, well, who, well, who puts the team together? You? It's not your fault. Whose responsibility is it when a team is poorly constructed? Well, is Jeremy going to pay the price? Driver? Is Jeremy going to pay the price then? I, all I said was, uh, I, I can't answer that. That's speculative. All I know is, Tell me what you can do with that team to have success. Jeremy Colton is coaching a poorly constructed team. So you can debate, okay, what can you do? I watched last year. When they tried to be offensive, they couldn't. They, they didn't have enough to beat teams because they were too weak defensively. When he tried to tighten it up defensively, they didn't have enough there to win offensively. When you have a team that can't find any way to win, <laughs> that's a poorly constructed team. Forget about being able to adapt to different challenges like the great Hawks teams did and route to three Stanley Cups. They could play it any way you want. They can't play any way that gives them success. And we could talk about Seth Jones and we talk about Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. All I know is you look at that roster, there simply is not enough good players that can help you win. Full stop. That's a bad team. So where do we go from here? Well, you tell me what happens with bad teams. Do you continue on or do you look for solutions? And the solutions are all on the table. All of them. Well, what, you're talking about a major trade in October? Well, it, could be, it could be a minor trade. It could be a major trade. It could be, you know, looking at a different coach, looking at different management. Listen, this is a poorly constructed team. You tell well, me what you're going to go and do. They reconstructed it in the offseason. No, well, still poorly constructed. You go slap, you go slap paint on 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 a broken foundation. Just because it's fresh paint doesn't make it any better. Well, they're going to finish second last in the division then. 
right? Who cares? Like, it's not about celebrating your second last Arizona. We know how bad they are, but at the end of the day, the Chicago Blackhawks, how, how much better are they than the Arizona Coyotes? Well, even if they're a little better or a lot better, it's irrelevant because they're going to be seventh. And that wasn't the plan going into the year. The, the, I, the idea wasn't for the Hawks to get a high pick and they were supposed to compete for a playoff spot. I know some of our colleagues that have them in a playoff spot. So I look at Marc-Andre Fleury. I mentioned it last podcast. This is the cool button, Uncensored Hockey Podcast, season one, episode eight. On episode six or seven to say, Marc-Andre Fleury, this is his... Now, he's not playing great. There's a lot of five-hole goals that he's given up and goalies around the league are giving up. Part of it because your buddy, the goalie coaches, come in fake, open them up. The stick doesn't do anything anymore. Marty Buran and I have argued about this before. <laughs> What's the stick for if it doesn't design to stop five-hole goals? So that in, in front of that defense, Marty Buran, in front of what's going up front, when you make this kind of changes, you raise expectations. And the fan base and the ownership and the president says, now we want something. When you deliver zero wins to start the year like this, I something's something's going to happen, Craig. What change did they make? They brought in Seth Jones. They brought in well, Marc-Andre Fleury. They brought in Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, the Tampa Bay Lightning, he played well there, okay? Tyler Johnson is not a player that, that, that's at a point of his career that you're going like, this is a difference maker. He's not, he's not at that level. Marc-Andre Fleury comes from a team where he was – Really successful. I, I'm still, I, I'm not worried about Marc-Andre Fleury. In fact, uh, you know, and, and I know because of his salary, I, I'm keeping eyes on what it'll take to get Marc-Andre Fleury because I, I, he's capable. He, what goaltender would be capable of playing in front of that team? Seth Jones, he's a defenseman that plays lots of minutes. He has no support. How many players in this league, Steve, can play just on their own without support? Uh, five, seven Okay, I'll give you a dozen, right? Most players need support. And I don't care if you're Seth Jones or whoever, right? Yeah. This is a bad team. It's a bad team. Just look, where have they been picking in the draft the last number of years? Just go Very take high. a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen yesterday. This has been, uh, and people say, well, they've won. St-. I get it, right? I, I get that you've won Stanley Cups. I get what you've done. And it, and they, it should be celebrated. But People that want to live in the past, you know, are going to fail because it's about today and nobody cares about yesterday when it comes to, 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 to the sporting success of your team. So before we leave the Hawks, will there be major changes, more major changes, personnel behind the bench upstairs? Everything is on the table, Steve. I don't, I can't answer if there's going to be, or there's not going to be. But if you're not looking at making changes and trying to understand how those changes can affect, uh, you know, performance in a positive way, then you've abdicated. Simple as that. Carolina, Edmonton, St. Louis, and Florida. Each division has one beautiful shiny toy that's impressing, that's exciting. Canes, Oilers. Blues and Florida. We talked about Florida last week. All they do is keep on winning. And Bob is your early Vesna trophy favorite at 4 0, 1.99950 with what the Panthers are doing, almost making it too, look too easy. The St. Louis Blues talk about making changes, talk about bringing in your youngsters. 
always trying to evolve, right? Doug Armstrong as a manager. I think Jordan Bennington, whatever happens with Carey Price, will be one of three goalies on Team Canada, right? He's the last goalie who won a cup was Canadian. He beat Boston in game seven when they blitzed them. If he wasn't as good as he was, the Bruins would have won the 2019 cup. He's got good numbers. He's a competitor and the blues are doing a lot of things, right? And some of the little tweaks of getting rid of size and adding some skill Tarasenko with Thomas on the third line, Jordan Cairo start. Um, There's a lot to like about the blues. How much do you like them vis-a-vis these perfect teams and where they are in their division. Some people come on the show and said, wow, the blues. I thought I always liked the blues right there with the jets and avalanche, like, like right in that category. And the start just makes you feel good. If they're zero and four, you think, God oh, got this one wrong. But I think the blues deserve some early season love. I don't think there's any question. They deserve love. And you know, when, when I looked at the moves and look at how their team was constructed, Oh, there's that word again, you know, I don't know how you cannot like the forward group. The forward group is, is, is highly skilled and talented. A healthy Vladimir Tarasenko. We know that he's an elite goal scorer. And, you know, Jordan Cairo is emerging as a, as a really good young offensive player. Jake Neighbors scores his first NHL goal, uh, a first-round pick later in the first round a couple of years back. But up front, like, I, I never had any concerns. I thought this would be a team. And when you look at how, how they're scoring, yeah. No kidding. Like, I'm not surprised. The goaltending, I'm a Bennington fan. I, I have no problem with Jordan Bennington. He's, he's shown it. I think he's real solid. The blue line is very different than the one that won the Stanley Cup. Do I think it's good enough to go and compete for the Stanley Cup as it sits today? I don't. But guess what? When you're 4-0 and you're Doug Armstrong, and now you can look and watch how your team plays, right? There's going to be lots of opportunity to 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 add to that blue line however he wants to add to it it's not about one player or two. it's about just getting more strength the, the strength of the blues and route to the stanley cup was about the the depth of their blue line the, the way they played how hard they were to play again well there's you know there's some pretty good players that aren't there anymore so i think that doug gets a real good chance to to to, to examine that but that that's a good team like, I, I don't have any question about it. And you look at Colorado, who had s- some stumbles, you know, no McKinnon for the first couple of games and, you know, some loose play. The Minnesota Wild have been good too, Steve. I mean, I know they lose to Nashville on Sunday night, but that's turning out to be a, a division. Winnipeg looked like they might have a little bit of challenge. You know, they played three games without Mark Shifley. And, you know, and coming coming home after that after the, the, those three games on the road, they, they won two of them. So now they go back out on the road, you know, l- looking like, okay, they, they got things settled a little bit. They got things in order. That, I think that division's really, really good. Let's not forget about where Dallas. It's a competitive division. And that's why, for, forget about Arizona, okay? For, let's just forget about them, okay? And that's why Chicago, like how bad they are, is so exacerbated in that division. Because there's some really good teams that have – that, that, that are really pushing the envelope higher and the Blackhawks, <laughs> the, you know what envelope they're doing? They're, they're using the envelopes that George Costanza got for his and Susan's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> tragic, tragic, <laughs> tragic. And they bit him again when he was playing Rolf, um, Arizona. I think everyone's already forgotten about them. If you're Phil Kessel, is there an understanding? Okay. When my cap hit, you know, I think the real money's low. It's the cap hit. 
um, when it gets to a certain point, Phil's got to be gone, right? Like he, he knows it's got to be gone. Like, how do you, how do you live through this? I mean, their team 32, I mean, let's find out where Buffalo's going to be at in a few weeks, I guess, but at Arizona's point, um, boy, oh boy, oh boy, by, by, they play just good enough to lose when they play well. When McDavid goes in and does his thing, you just sit and say, why, why, oh, why did we get him at the start of the season? Well, that's the way the schedule works. So you can't do anything about it. I, I got to think uh, if they're keeping Chikrin and trying to build around something uh, we talked about right off the hop where the Sabres and Arizona were with the four goalies they went with where you thought to yourself, I don't know if these four guys are top 64 goalies in the world, but anyway, uh, Phil's got to be saying, if it's me, I say, Craig, can we talk? Yes. Okay. When does the number get to a point? I got to wait till the deadline. Would you want Phil? Um, I mean, you talk about offense and helping uh, Chicago. Maybe you could help Chicago. Uh, you know, give me a break, Steve. Chicago. I, Phil I'm a, Kessel. Hey, dead, if I'm dead. Phil Kessel, I am not taking a trade to Chicago to go from one really bad situation to another really bad situation. Okay, touche. Stop. Touché. Stop give me there. a spot. Okay, give me a spot. Yeah, no, I'm not giving you a spot. Listen, Pittsburgh. Would I want Phil Kessel? Yes, because Phil Kessel is an offensive player. He's shown that he's more than capable. Right. Bottom line is, is that. There's going to be teams interested in them. I don't know who they are. I don't know what kind of injuries they're going to be. There's going to be teams interested in Phil Kessel when the time is right. The key here for Phil Kessel is to try to keep yourself fully engaged. You know, and by I mean what, what I mean by fully engaged, where, where you're playing, where you're not running the risk of, 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 of your game falling off, where you can be ready to go to whatever your new, whoever your new team is and contribute. That's the key for Phil. That's a challenge, though. When you're playing and you start out, oh, morning skate. Oh boy, okay. Can we, can we, can we stay within three tonight? Like that's how. Like their penalty killing is thirty six percent. Like they have traded and got rid of more good players. Like when you look at Connor Garland, did you well, Saturday night in Seattle? Oh, he was oh, unbelievable. Oh. He not, forget about the goal and the assist and everything. He was unbelievable. Period throughout the game. You look around the league and you look at what they have done. Like in terms of that, like I mean, it's like I mean, and people talk about Arizona. They've had good players there. The management has been absolutely abominable. And full stop. So Phil Kessel, he can go. And, you know, I'd be interested in him. Drew Doughty. Let's have a chat about Drew Doughty. Because is he okay? I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. I haven't examined him. So I'm not going to, I'll wait till the LA Kings come out and say, all I know is, is on that play. And I just want to say, I thought that that was one of those plays that on the ice and they reviewed it. Remember they went and reviewed that penalty when they handed it out. So, and they came to the conclusion that that it warranted a five minute major in a game misconduct. And when we look at Neen and people talk about sticking out the knee, the definition of uh, like, that's part of it. But the, the, the rule says leading with the knee and whether it was subtle or not, or what, you know, and the, and the player delivering the check has to be there. I don't think it was an easy call for the department of player safety, but I'm fine with it because of the way Hawk and Paw approached the play. And it's unfortunate for Drew Doughty, but again, it's amazing how many people, and, you know, and, and you take a position, does it warrant supplemental position, uh, uh, supplemental discipline? Yes. Will it get it? I don't know. Right. But I think warrants, you, you can make a consideration for it. I'm fine with the way it unfolded. Five minute major, 
game misconduct. I hope Drew Doughty's good because he's had a fantastic start to the year. Beautiful little uh, buttons. Soapbox. I love it. Um, I'm not an ornery just, either, just so you know. I'm not an ornery. Yeah. And if I'd like to disagree with you, but I'm with you on how it was handled uh, as far as that's concerned and the way the Kings handled it as well. So kudos to them and the way the Devils handled the Jack Hughes thing. Yeah. They, they, they said, yep, Lind, like this is Lindy Ruff and Ken Danico. And, and I love that. Um, before we say goodbye, Lucas Raymond and Anton Lindell. See, you know these guys before the rest of us kind of know them and what they can do. And you said, yep, Lucas Raymond's played well enough to play. And he's playing right now, and he's in a good spot and, and everything else. All the other Calder favorites, remember all the, the Zegerses and Cole Cal- all these. So right now, they've been passed by the, the Raymonds, the Lundells, the Mosider, the Bowen Byrams, Jonathan Dahl. Like, they've, they've all started great. Hey, it's an 82-game schedule. I'm happy for Detroit on Mo and, and Raymond. And I watched all of that last night. I'm happy for Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. <laughs> Gives them something to cheer about. And Anton Lundell. If he's this good as a third liner in Florida now, Florida is even better than I thought. So I wanted to give a shout out to those players who, Craig, I know you see them first. You're in the rinks uh, and a shout out to you because you said, I've been there. I've seen them. They can play. Here, here. I, I mean, hey, Lundell can play. Lucas Raymond is a brilliant player. They got a lot of really good young players in Detroit. And Steve Eisenman, he's going to take it patiently. And he understands. We talk about how to construct the team. <laughs> oh, oh back to my other construct oh is that how we do it and i can tell you what we yep. have constructed episode eight of the cool button uncensored hockey podcast we'll take criticism on how we constructed this show and we're happy to hear your comments back but there will be no changes here minor or major <laughs> till next time see you then see ya deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.